Do I need a life coach? You're listening to episode 55 with Rhiannon Bush. Welcome to the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast. We're here to discuss the ins and outs of the life coaching industry and give you tools to use to see for yourself. I'm your host, Rhiannon Bush, mother, management consultant, and a passionate, certified life coach. Well, hello, my friends. How are you today? Oh, it's a bit of a stormy one here in Tassie, but it's still warming up, which is lovely. Flowers are blossoming, everything's blooming, the birds are singing. It's absolutely lovely. And I have finished planting a few little sunflowers that popped up recently, which I'm very excited about. They like germinated and did their thing so fast. So yeah, I've popped them all around the garden and I'll just see which ones get enough sun to flourish. So yeah, having lots of fun. Um, What else is going on? We, yeah, just taking it easy at the moment, just easing on into the spring. We're planning what we'll be doing over the end of year period. I've got some really exciting plans coming up for the podcast, actually. I'm going to double down on content and actually bring you a lot more over the new year period, just so you can start to really think about your um, next year and things you really want to hit the ground running with and enable you to plan and to clear some old stuff, make way for some new stuff um, and really gear up to making your next year just absolutely awesome. So I'm beginning to plan that content and think about that content now uh, and I'm really, really excited about it because I'm going to obviously be doing it at the same time Um, and I really love the end of year period. Um, It gets me thinking about, you know, what I want, hopes and dreams, big audacious hairy goals um, and just, yeah, I get really excited. So that's coming in December. That will kick off in December. It's going to be called um, This Is Your Year series. Um, And at the moment, yeah, there's quite a few episodes in the series, which I'm still designing, which I'm very, very excited about. Today, we're talking about the story you tell yourself. And it's something that we cover a lot in coach school, and it's absolutely awesome. I'd never really considered the story that you tell yourself having such an impact on your results in your life. And results, by that, I mean anything from your happiness to fulfillment to your peace to your finances you know it can be a whole variety of things that I'm referring to but only you really know what that means for you and where you're at and where you want to go so you know it's going going to be very very um, bespoke to you this this episode but part of our ability to grow our emotional intelligence and therefore our emotional maturity is being able to label the emotions we're experiencing at any given time. And also, more importantly, to understand the intricacies and the differences in those feelings that we're experiencing, especially the subtle ones that we have different labels for when it comes to anything that we might be feeling. So, for example, there's a difference between irritation and annoyance and frustration and anger. And the first step is knowing how they differ for you, how they feel in your body and where you feel them in your body. It's a really valuable skill to learn to enhance your self-awareness and your emotional intelligence. And when you can identify not only the, the emotions, but the intricacies accurately, you can move to step two, which is when you can begin to start asking and diving into what triggers those specific feelings. 
Any one of us can look up a definition for an emotion. And sometimes that's a great place to start. Like Charles Feltman, he defines trust as choosing to make something important to you vulnerable to the actions of somebody else. But like the surgeon calling themselves a surgeon when they've never actually held a scalpel and cut somebody open, there's a huge difference between understanding something theoretically and understanding it because you've had a whole body immersive experience of it. Emotions are exactly the same. You can learn what it's like to be a leader through books, white papers, podcasts, but until you've actually led people and dealt with the complexities that arise, can you truly call yourself one? Also, when it comes to emotions and understanding where you feel, store and react can be closely linked to specific events that are likely to evoke certain emotions consistently. For example, I'm sure anybody who has stepped in a boxing ring to actually fight or spar feels really similar things. Maybe not exactly the same, but similar. And it's predictable, yes? Fear, shock, bewilderment, pain, adrenaline, focus, nervousness, maybe excitement, and amongst you know other emotions around that as well. Yes, to a degree, the more you do it, the more you can anticipate what feelings you'll experience before you actually get into the boxing ring and actually feel them. And then you can come up with coping strategies ahead of time to be more resilient and to be stronger. But the predictable emotions are still there. Just the same as if we've suffered trauma or abuse or if we see a loved one or eat ice cream. There's a level of predictability, a general pool of emotional responses that somebody is likely to experience depending on that specific or even category of event. So instead of the feelings being broad and unknown based on an event, you could guess that somebody will experience emotions X, Y, and Z because that would be, as society puts it, open quotes, normal. For instance, it's fairly predictable that when somebody eats ice cream that they're going to feel joy or happiness or pleasure or brain freeze. So while we can never truly understand the precise response or even the sequence of emotions somebody will experience, because depending on their programming from a young age, the sequence will change, but certain events will have a level of predictability around the emotional response somebody is going to have. Another common misconception is that we feel one emotion strongly and in its pure form at one time. When we describe other people, we often blanket them or their behavior in a specific way, always a particular emotion. For instance, she's peppy, he's grumpy, she's chatty. It's very linear and it's very singular, 2D, simplistic. It's a simplistic point of view when we describe other people because otherwise we don't know how to do it. While the English language is complex, we don't have so many words for so many things. For instance, when you think about love, you can identify what it is and you've felt it before and where you feel it in your body. But I can honestly say I thought I knew what love was and then I met Damien and I couldn't describe to you the love that I have for him. And then I had kids and I definitely wouldn't say love even scrapes the surface. There isn't a word to describe that kind of love, I don't believe. So we don't know how to characterize people or to have the language around the complexities of emotions that we feel at any one time. Or even the language we do have, we don't necessarily use uh, as specifically as we could. 
I Have a Dictionary of Emotions by Patrick Michael Ryan. And words like forbearing and solicitous and opulent aren't words I frequently use. So sometimes we feel emotions that overcome our entire being. And when we have that experience, we can indeed feel one predominant emotion in that moment. But it's often the case that we think so much faster than we feel or comprehend how we're feeling because of how our memories are stored and how our memories create emotional representations in the body. So while we can't access the memories we have, we get the feeling when we experience similar or associated events or when we experience something that triggers us. The point I'm trying to make is that as a human being, we rarely only feel one thing. And because we rarely feel one thing at any given time, we are often thinking many different thoughts that are generating those different feelings in the body. So you might have been really excited to go on a holiday and the predominant feeling is excitement. You know where you're going. You've planned for transfers. You're super excited. And then you start to think about everything else you have to organize all the things you have to take, the bags you have to pack, travel insurance, getting someone to look after the dog while you're gone, what happens to the Amazon parcel being delivered while you're away, the commitments that you've made that you'll miss out on while you're gone. So excitement just abruptly shifts to anxiousness or worry or stress or pressure. So while excitement may have been the overarching, more intensely felt emotion, and that may still be true even when the other emotions pop into the picture sporadically, that doesn't mean that there aren't those other feelings right there with it, ready to show up and take over. I'll never forget Tyron Park, who was a teacher of mine at the Australian Institute of Music when I was doing my Bachelor of Music, and telling us a story in this beautifully animated way, as an actor does, um, about when he was accepted into the Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts. Being an actor, he reenacted it all right in front of us and it was pure magic. So he received his letter in the post and he was ecstatic. Immediately following that state of being was, oh gosh, I have to move to the other side of Australia. Oh gosh, I'm moving to, you know, the other side and I'm moving away from my friends and family. What if I get there and I'm terrible? What if I fail? What if... I don't get any friends or meet new people. And it was the most perfect display of all of us in our humanness, which is the emotional spectrum we feel that slides up and down instantaneously and all over the place, depending on the thoughts we're thinking. And it's anything but linear, especially with something that carries a lot of emotional weight. It's full technicolor and immersive. I was speaking with a client recently and I started talking about emotional bandwidth and it was something I'd never really considered before in great detail until I mentioned it and explored the idea further. But when I talk about emotional bandwidth, I mean how intensely you have the capability to feel emotions. I'll start with negative because negative feelings are quite easy to bring back front of mind. Um, it's actually four times as easy for us to experience or remember negative emotions and access negative emotions than it is positive. It's a safety mechanism that we have. It's hardwired within us to keep us safe, to keep us alive, to keep us thriving. Um, although, yeah, it's it's not as <laughs> maybe pleasant as if we could do that in reverse. But the way I consider emotional bandwidth to be is if you feel negative emotions at a certain intensity, it's my belief that you can feel positive emotions of equal intensity. 
and at your most extreme. So think of it like a rubber band. When it's stretched as far as it possibly can be and it's tight and as tense as it possibly can be, that is your emotional bandwidth. So people who have been through situations that are highly traumatic um, and have been made to suffer in ways that most of us can't even comprehend. So think of Eddie Jaku, um, Turia Pitt, people like that who have survived and thrived and then gone on to share their amazing stories. While those events um, and trauma were something of incredible pain and suffering, with those experiences, your bandwidth increases, meaning that if you can feel that intense one way, as in negative, then your bandwidth can also stretch in equal measure the opposite way. And where you can feel that equal intensity in the positive as well. I consider it almost to be like a reward for being able to feel positive and feel good after being put in a situation that caused you so much pain and suffering. But where your equilibrium ends up sitting because your bandwidth is so much greater because of the disruption and discomfort that you've experienced, your equilibrium in the day-to-day doesn't shift as much as somebody who hasn't got that same level of emotional bandwidth. If you think about a seesaw, the longer that beam is, the less it moves in the middle and the greater it moves on either end. So the greater your emotional bandwidth is, your equilibrium, I would suggest, would be more more stable and more centred. I think it's a really empowering way to look at it anyway, whether it's true or not. So by looking at it that way, it might make you feel better and it may give you hope and it also may get you super curious about trying that on for size and I mean that in in the positive emotion. A lot of the time managing the thoughts we have is about being able to think a thought that feels better than the thought we're currently having. So let me repeat that. Managing our emotions is nearly always about being able to think a thought that feels better than the thought we are currently having. So how true or factual that thought is is secondary in importance. Because how the thought makes us feel is the primary driver for either changing it or having that thought in the first place. You can always ask yourself when it's a question of does it really matter? Does it really matter if the thought is true or factual? The important thing is that it makes us feel better. So our unconscious mind doesn't know the difference between whether something has happened or not, in reality or not. So when we go and see a Marvel film, we know the difference between fantasy and reality. But when it comes to our achievements or things that have happened or not, our mind has difficulty distinguishing the difference. That's why there's been a lot of studies done on interviews with police officers and suspects of serious crimes, because if enough seeds are planted enough times, our mind pieces it together for us and makes it true, whether we're guilty or whether we're innocent. So it's a gift and a curse, depending on the circumstance. When it comes to goal achievement, it's a gift. So it's the reason visualizations is such a powerful tool and incredibly important when it comes to the law of attraction and us creating a future for us achieving what we want. Because our minds don't know whether it's come true already or whether it hasn't. So if it's something that we want in the future, then we need to put our brains to work and we need to go into visualizing that success and what we want to achieve. And we can start to feel the feelings that we anticipate we'll have when we achieve that thing. And while it might feel slightly different in reality, 
will start vibrating on that frequency and those feelings and that visualization, which is what attracts the opportunity to us and brings it to reality. Plus, obviously, the action that we take to help that along. And that's why the story we tell ourselves and the thoughts we think and the questions we ask ourselves need to be geared towards how they make us feel rather on whether they are accurate or whether they, you know, help our mind. It's about how they make us feel. And then using those questions and those thoughts to drive our behavior towards what we want. So it's the basis of emotional intelligence. So in a way, I am saying it's okay to lie to yourself if that lie moves you forward, if that lie makes you feel better in the moment, and if that lie isn't going to hurt you or anybody else in the process. If it serves you, then why not? I'm not saying it's okay to shift perspectives in a way that gives you a justification for bad behavior or that makes it okay to paint a scenario in a light that isn't true to get you out of something or to feel better about something that you did that was wrong. The only time that that would be okay is if everybody else in the situation has forgiven you for that thing and that you're having trouble forgiving yourself. What I'm saying is that asking yourself a different or better question or telling yourself something that makes you feel better than the story you're currently telling yourself, which is creating how you're feeling, is beneficial. I was coaching a client a few years ago and this client didn't know what they wanted to do with their life. They wanted to you know, find purpose and some direction and to decide on where they wanted to go and they were finding it really hard to find that direction. They knew they wanted to start their own business and contribute in a, a way that gave not only them a really great life but also helped others as well. And as I was coaching him, he kept saying, I just don't know what I want. And I probed and coached and over time we worked through it. Eventually, the thought that made him feel better about it all was, what if it was already written? He'd been putting so much pressure on himself to make a decision, to find his direction and execute his life's purpose, that he was being weighed down with expectations, his own, by the way, um, instead of feeling inspired and free and fluid. So by finding that one thought, everything emotionally shifted for him. He was able to feel much better and not having the direction right this very minute. And by releasing that pressure, it enabled space for him to feel the feelings that at the very least would let him enjoy the journey a little bit more and enjoy his life a little bit more, but also to help him find the very thing he was looking for. So feelings like inspiration and hope and wonder and curiosity, they will all help you move towards finding a better strategy to get you where you want to be. And all the things that will help you and serve you in finding that path and direction and having a vision. So for him, he was so weighed down with the emotions caused by the thoughts that he was putting himself under and he was having about his lack of direction and lack of purpose and his inability to discover what he wanted. So with all of that, he was really feeling a lot of stress and anxiousness and restlessness, comparisons. And it was feeding into his story of I'm unworthy and I'm not good enough, which we all have at some level. And there's absolutely nothing about any of that that moves him or any of us forward. It's super unresourceful. So to be able to find thoughts that help you feel inspired and hopeful and like you have immense potential and you're capable and competent and confident those are the questions and the thoughts that you want to be thinking and embedding in yourself every day, 
not the ones that leave you feeling pressured and like you're underperforming and anything that adds weight and adds pressure and adds negativity. Life does that on its own. We don't need to be layering it up with the thoughts that we're thinking in our own private world at the same time. It's not going to help you. It's unresourceful. It doesn't help. So are you struggling right now with thoughts that are weighing you down? If so, what are the thoughts? And what do you need to think differently to shake off the negativity and the pressure and the burden? If you can spend five minutes just looking at those thoughts, really like jotting it down and asking yourself good questions to elicit that out of your own mind, then you can start to shift those questions and the story that you're telling yourself to be one that helps you move forward, starting with the feelings that you're feeling, not from a headspace, but from an emotional baseline. It will absolutely help change everything for you and it will help you find what you're looking for in a way that serves you to solve the problems on a much deeper level. So get curious. Have a great week, my friends, and I will look forward to seeing you next week. Hey, before you go, I always find reviews really helpful when looking for new information or insights. If you found this podcast valuable, please take a minute to write a quick review about what you found most beneficial so that other people can benefit from your insights and have a listen as well. I would love that. Also, if there are any topics you want me to cover specifically about life coaching or the life coaching industry, visit rhiannonbush.com to contact me. Thanks for joining and I'll see you in the next episode of the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast.